Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is for customer service only and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Ng Associates, a registered investment advisor. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 20 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, have an MBA in finance, and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. We are right here every Friday, up and running on Friday afternoons with our updated podcast. And you can find us on uh, MoneyMD.net or iTunes um, up every week. Yeah, you can go to the uh, the website MoneyMD.net. We have a link to the on the right-hand side that takes you to the podcast. Uh, we have all the podcasts uh, historically, not all of them, but we have quite a few of them out there and yep. uh, have them categorized and so forth. So you can go back and listen to certain segments or certain podcasts. So we uh, try to make it easy. Yeah, no no easier way to listen to the Money Doctors than right off your computer or your iPhone. Yeah. So uh, check us out. Do check us out on our website, too, where you can link to us there. You can ask us your questions. Um, you can reach us directly by email at info at moneymd.net. Um, well, John, I think we have an awesome show lined up today. But before we get to that, I mean, we got the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl coming up. I, I hesitated a little bit to talk about football because I figured you were going to go on some kind of tangent yeah, it, somewhere, but this is a Super Bowl conversation. It's we're not so easy to slip into so yesterday. I, and I love that your, your article is talking about football, football because and, it's and so finance. easy to slip into the national championship, yeah, the Clemson, so, you know, analogy. That's so, that's but, old uh, news. That and is, the Super Bowl is kind of like that, you know, I mean, we got the underdogs, you know, the, the Falcons going against mm-hmm. the Patriots. I mean, yeah. what better Cinderella story, just like Clemson and Alabama, isn't it? It's, no, it's not even any parallels I at all. I love these parallels. It's been yeah. 35 years for us. How long has it been for, for Atlanta? To be at the Super Bowl. I don't think they've ever – well, they've been in the Super Bowl, but they've never won it. They've never won. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I, I don't know. I think they were back in the 90s. It's been a long time. So it's kind of very similar story. <laughs> I love it. And, I mean, they have a couple, you know, incredible uh, athletes, uh, yeah. athletes out there. Julio, Julio Jones. Yeah. I mean, man, he was impressive last Oh, week. I didn't tell you that Chris DeMarco is a fullback for Atlanta, and he played for Carolina. I think he's he? the main reason he why really? they, uh, they made it. Wow, I hear you. I hear you. Impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be fun. So we yeah, got Super Bowl weekend here. We're going to try to tie in football and finance. So that's one of the fo- little bit one of football the, talk. I love that analogy because it, it's a lot of parallels. There, yep, it really are. But it'll be an exciting game. I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure everybody out there is, and uh, you know, always a great great matchup um, and the commercials are <laughs> as good as if not better than the games typically they are they are that, that's the, one of the interesting things kathy even watches the super bowl because the commercials she yeah. loves the commercials well, i'm used to like dv dvr and through the commercials and i catch myself during the super bowl it's like oh no no i want to watch you know <laughs> so. yeah and you can see them all ahead of time you know on yeah, youtube right, right. or somewhere out there so very interesting well that'll be exciting and um you know speaking of exciting um, that leads us up to our topics here. I mean, we have some great topics we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the five steps to achieving your New Year's goals. Um, you know, it's getting late January here, and it's it's very easy. Um, in fact, it's it's past late January. It's beginning of February here. Yeah. It's very easy to let your New Year's goals slip away and to not achieve them, you know, to forget them. We have the five steps for 
for reaching those goals that you set back last month and, you know, kind of putting it on automatic to make sure you reach them. Do you, do you really think anybody cares about New Year's goals at this point? Isn't there yeah. some kind of stat that says after like three weeks? They may not, but they should. They, they should, should care about their okay. financial goals particularly. That's right. And we're going to kind of tailor this toward financial goals. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm just giving you a hard time. And then we're going to end on a uh, talking about football and finance. We're going to tie it together, Love it. you know, having game plans. And, um, you know, we're going to kind of you know, hopefully not revert back to uh, – the Clemson game plan. No, they did no, have a we, good one. But, we wouldn't um, mention Clemson winning the national championship. No, we wouldn't do that. Going two years in a row. <laughs> we, we would never mention yeah. that. So uh, we'll uh, we'll tie those together. So all you football fans, listen up because it's going to be a good segment. It's exciting. It really is. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. So typically, Steve, there's about 50 million viewers for the Super Bowl. So it's one of the most watched events ever. But to put it in perspective, that is actually less than half of the finale of MASH back wow. in 1983. They had like 106 million viewers for that finale. That's crazy. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah, I did. I yeah, loved that, that show. Yeah, that was like the most popular thing ever. Yeah, that was that was crazy. That was really – I wonder how many viewers were for the final finale of uh, – of, um, gosh um, – all right, help me out, Kramer. I'm, you know, oh, I'm showing friends. my. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was a big one too. I, I think Mash was the all time. I really was. Yeah, I mean it I was. did, did a little big. research on this, and um, I, I'm sure it was extremely. Probably more than fifty. Hundred but... million years. Well, still fifty millions. No, well, no. Th- then that's pretty. That's yeah. not shabby. I mean, think about the time frame that was back in. I guess the the early '80s, maybe. Right. Time frame, and we had been through war. I mean, so war was kind of in our culture a little bit. Uh, we you know, hadn't been in a war that, but you had the Vietnam and Korean, and obviously yeah, World War. So it was a very was popular. It really related to a lot of people. Wrapped up in the last two years. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, interesting, interesting fact of the week: fifty, 50 million, million viewers. Yeah. There, so how much of the commercial cost? That's really what we're interested in. A uh, million dollars for thirty-six. I don't know what it's it is. More than it's, that, I bet. That was that was a long time ago. It's I bet a lot. it's like two million dollars. It may be. It's a big yeah. number. Sure is. Interesting. All right. Very good. Well, that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the five steps to achieving your New Year's goals or any goals out there, really the financial goals in your life, you know, and financial goals in in your New Year's resolutions are similar to kind of your new diet plan for losing weight every January. I mean, there's lots of ways to lose weight, but it's hard and it takes a lot of discipline. And that's why most people don't achieve those weight goals. However, I mean, there are some things you can do to greatly increase your odds to losing weight. I mean, just like you do with your financial goals. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we all know that, you know, if you get rid of every sign of sweets and fattening foods in your house, then you have a better chance of sticking to your diet. Well, we also know that if you have some accountability built into your diet with some someone else, um, you're you're weighing in with every day. I mean, then your odds greatly multiply, mm-hmm. and it's similar to that with your finances. Yeah, that's right. So, what if you added exercise to the routine, or maybe pre-schedule workout sessions? So, if you go and hire a personal trainer four times a week. I mean, the chances are you're going to be too embarrassed to break those appointments. And, um, you know, the chances of losing weight will increase because you have that commitment and you've, you've paid some money associated with it. And, you know, if you same kind of concept if you if you pay for, you know, some expensive prepackaged meals that arrive every single week, you're probably going to eat those instead of fixing your own dinner or even going out to dinner. So, right. you know, the chances, uh, you know, of you having enough incentive and accountability because you're you're putting some money into it and some time, 
um, losing weight is going to be a lot easier. So the same principles apply to achieving your financial goals. So if you set yourself up for this success, you have a lot better chance in making it happen, and it does become easier. So we're going to co- kind of talk about some of those as we go through this. Exactly. Yeah, and all of us have financial dreams. I mean, we'd like to be completely free of debt and retire early. That, that's a very common you know, goal for lots of folks. We'd like to build our, our dream house and, you know, pay for our children's college education at a top school. You know, maybe you'd like to open your own business. The challenging part is transforming those financial dreams into financial goals and then actually achieving them. Of course, I mean, taking some something so enormous and so nebulous and turning it into something that you can actually achieve in a specific time frame it is hard. You know, it's not easy for anyone, even for the people who achieve their goals. I mean, it's dis- difficult. It takes a lot of discipline. However, there are ways to greatly increase your odds of achieving your financial goals and to make them less painful in the process. Regardless of your specific goal, there are five steps you can take that will drastically increase your odds of success. So we're going to jump right into these. Yeah, number one here is is to create a detailed but, but flexible plan. So ask yourself, how exactly are you going to get from where you are today to where you want to be? So what's the time frame you desire to achieve that goal? And uh, what do you have to do you know, to achieve that every single year? And then you break that down into every month and sometimes even you know, every week or even every day in exactly. order to do that. Yeah, same way you eat an elephant, right? That's one, right. One bite at a time, break it down. Well, yeah, I mean, your ch- your plan for achieving your goals should also involve some clear answers to all of those questions. You know, at the same time, it should allow for some flexibility. As you never quite know, I mean, what the future is going to hold for you, naturally, I mean, major life changes might upend a financial goal, but many goals are, are actually ended by minor life issues, I mean, your entire plan shouldn't fall apart if you struggle to make, you know, one step of the plan. Instead, your plan should have some wiggle room, you know. It should have some flexibility built into it to account for that. So, I mean, let's say that your goal is to retire early enough to live comfortably. You know, you need to specify what that means. Maybe at age 60 with $100,000 of income, that would be a great goal. But, But it's also important for you to to break it down even further to define where the income will come from. You know, maybe you have $50,000 that will come from pensions. That would be nice. And then maybe another 50000 from investments until Social Security kicks in at age 62. Having enough details and flexibility in your plan is one of the key ingredients to success. So that's a big one. Yeah, and, and number two here on the list, Steve, is to add a uh, healthy dose of reality to your goal and then break it down, like you said, into bite-sized portions. So how do you kind of, how do you add that kind of flexibility? I mean, the best thing you can do make sure your plan is based um, in reality. It's got to be achievable goals. And, you know, a lot of times we see people establish savings goals or other goals that simply aren't uh, achievable. They're outside the realm of what um, you know, that person can do. You know, so a person who lives paycheck to paycheck isn't suddenly, you know, going to be debt-free in a year, but they can certainly start, and, you know, start moving in that direction. Exactly, yeah. So instead... You know, look at what you can realistically pull off. I mean, if you're setting up a goal for debt freedom in, say, five years, can you realistically come up with 160th of that uh, that amount in one month, you know, this month? You know, if you have three credit cards that you're trying to pay off, figure out how long it'll take to pay off the smallest one by focusing on it 
and then make that your first bite and then add that payment to the next biggest balance <clears throat> once you have that paid off and figure out how long it'll take to have have that one paid off um, if your goal isn't realistic in the short term it's not going to be realistic in the long term so you have to set reasonable goals and break it down into bite-sized pieces as we just talked about next one here on the list is set small milestones kind of in the same vein in fact you know focusing on shorter time frames is a powerful way to achieve a financial goal let's say your goal is to save fifty thousand dollars for seed money for a business rather than setting such a large number as your goal after say five years break it down into smaller milestones your goal this your goal would be to save ten thousand dollars maybe this year um, your goal maybe is to save eight hundred dollars this month that means you need to save $175 this week. So break it down into really small milestones. And then when you break your goal down into small pieces with milestones like that, the day-to-day -day actions you need to take and achieve to make those goals become very clearer. And it's easier to figure out you know, how to save $175 this week, a lot easier than it is to figure mm -hmm. out how to save $50,000 over the next five years. So break it down into small milestones. Yeah, and the next one here on the list, Steve, is, is to automate it. And that sounds like a, a very easy and logical step, but it's amazing. If you don't you know, intentionally do this, it's not going to happen. That's right. right. So if you automate it, um, you know, you can set up that automatic automatic savings, uh, you know, transfer of that 175 every single week. So you don't have to think about it. You know, you don't have a decision and it is going. And um, so it, it, uh, it really serves two purposes. First, it locks you into a plan that moves you toward that goal without you having to take that, uh, make that active decision along the way. And second, it puts you in a position where you can focus on dealing with how to live your life after making room for your goal, not trying to decide whether whether or not you should make it. So it's a great, it's a very simple way, but it's very, very powerful. Yeah, I love this tool. And in fact, I mean, I, I sat down with my niece here recently. She started her first job and was qualifying for her first uh, retirement plan, and she asked me to help her. So we sat down, logged in, looked at her plan, and it had automatic increases available there. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, girl, we are so doing this. So I set her up from like 6%, but it increases 1% a year. So oh, every good. year she's there, it's going to go up 1% automatically. Till, she won't even feel it. Yeah, yeah, she won't even feel it. She won't, it automatically, I said, your, your default is going to be success. Mm -hmm. If you just do nothing, you're going to be successful. Yeah, you right. Know, it puts it in her target day retirement plan and automatically increases the percentage every year. And that's the way you want to do it. I mean, I think this is one of the most powerful tools you can use, just like sticking to a diet plan and having prepackaged meals. You know, if you make some money saving the default, then the chances are you aren't going to stop saving. Better yet, I mean, set it up automatic with automatic increases each year into your 401k. So it increases 1% of your pay each year, just like I did for my niece. Mm -hmm. and that's, uh, that's a great way to go. Last one here on the list is keep it out of easy reach. You know, once your savings begins, it can be very tempting to tap into that money for other purposes. But there should be no way for you to access that money immediately because impulsive decisions will do nothing but undermine your goal. You should not be able to access your savings via an ATM card, for example. Um, you should make it hard. I mean, instead, save your money at a remote financial institution. Uh, the decision whether to use a savings account at a bank or an investment account uh, at an advisor is up to you, but your savings 
for that goal shouldn't sit in a place where you can just grab it on a whim. I mean, that's your emergency fund. That's you what t- that's for. You talk about making it hard to access. I, I remember um, uh, an FPU class, and Dave Ramsey recommends that you don't have credit cards at all. And this couple didn't want to cut them up, so they took them and they froze them in a block of ice. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> and, and so it was there, you know, in case of an emergency, but they couldn't get to it quickly. Yeah, they would have to, like, chop a block of ice <laughs> yeah, open. Sure. I love that. I told somebody else to do that here not too long ago. That, <laughs> that was funny. That's a great tool. Yeah, I mean, also having an advisor can help as well. You know, I've heard a lot of clients say that, they don't they don't like to take money out because they're embarrassed to call and talk with me and mess up their plan that they've set up. <laughs> yeah. Which that's okay, you know, if I can add a little embarrassment to somebody to to keep them on their on their track. I mean, I'm not here to embarrass people, but at the no, same time, right, right. It, it does add just a tiny <clears throat> bit of accountability, and I think it does help. So uh, that's another thing to consider when it comes to managing your money. All right, good topic, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with life insurance and. Um, do my kids need life insurance? I mean, generally not. It, it's very inexpensive, but um, you see those Gerber policies out there, and yeah. they're very popular with people, and, and they really don't cost very much. But, I mean, there's a reason why they don't cost much, because the chance of a child passing away is minuscule. Pretty and so small. they're still making a profit, uh, Gerber is, on that. So well, our view on life insurance is it should protect your income, and, and your kids don't make income. Exactly. And obviously, uh, emotionally, it'd be a, a tragedy, but financially, probably not. So we generally don't recommend you can get some supplemental policies when you buy a life life insurance, but it's not really needed per se. Not really. Uh, yeah, I mean, life insurance is something you need whenever you have dependents. Mm-hmm. When you have people that are dependent on you, you have obligations, you have a mortgage, things like that. Um, that's when you need to really make sure you have life insurance to protect your loved ones and, uh, you know, protect them from you know, the obligations that you've created. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't get life insurance in general on a kid, you know, until you, until you get in your twenties and you start having some real obligations, that's when you start need to look at life insurance. That's right. So good question of the week. All right. That leads up to our next topic here. And that is the nine things football teaches us about money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like this, John. Um, You know, Clemson and the the, the uh, national championship. This that, is, I think there's some good parallels. This is there. Super Bowl weekend. I don't know. I hesitated yeah, I with this you. article. I'm like, oh, you know, he's just going to go off on this tangent and <laughs> start living in the past. Well, when we go through these. I think we're going to see where Clemson did every single one of these. Well, you pretty much have to to win the national championship. Yeah, true, you, true. You got to have everything yeah. kind of fall in line. But um, this is from uh, Tim Limp- Limpke from wisebread.com um, and you know it's uh it's a time of the year you know everything's kind of winding down with football with with college obviously is is over thank goodness until next year and uh and we have the super bowl right on our our doorsteps but you know football can teach us a thing or two about handling money so you know, we're going to just dive right into here so you know number one is have a game plan um, you know, football coach doesn't just show up on Sunday or, or Saturdays in Winga. I mean, they spend, you know, the season and they, they have a horde of people that's um, devising a system that will give the chance, the team the best chance of success. And they've scouted the opponent, they've st- studied the strengths and weaknesses, and they've matched, matched, mapped out a, an approach to victory. And, you know, this can be applied to any sort of money matter. So, you know, whether it's tackling a pile of debt or saving for a new home or investing for retirement, you got to develop a plan first. And we talk about that a lot. 
that'll increase your your chance of success. And and we see it on the football field. I mean, they spend countless hours, you know, studying and so forth. And if you do that with your finances, it shows up in this positive, typically. Exactly. I mean, every every success story out there usually started with a game plan. So you got to have a plan first thing. Next thing you got to do is you got to mix things up a little bit. You know, uh, diversification is what I like to kind of call that. Yeah, I mean, a successful football team isn't just going to run the ball every play. I mean, it can't pass the ball down the field every time either. Um, You know, the best teams, they have a diversified plan of attack. You know, like Deshaun Watson and all the receivers (laughs) that he had when he won the national championship. You know, I mean, he had a lot of tools out there. And then he'd run the ball a lot of times too, John. Yeah. So there were a lot of ways that we beat Alabama. And, uh you know, we, we diversified. You definitely so, diversified. Dabo, I mean, he was he was smart about that, wasn't he? Well, you got to diversify your portfolio, right? That's the takeaway. To, you do have to diversify your portfolio. <laughs> That's right. Your investment philosophy. Oh, I forgot that part. I'm sorry. Your investment philosophy should be similar in nature. You're right. Don't rely too heavily on one stock or an industry or or uh, one uh, asset class. I mean, you need to have a, a well-diversified portfolio. You need to spread it out. Just like Dabo did when he won the national championship, you need to have a lot of tools in your Boy. tool book. You need to have a lot of lines of attack, a lot of asset classes yeah. in your portfolio. Yeah, we have nine of these. Are we going to go through a Clemson uh, <laughs> explanation of everyone? It probably is one. I hadn't really thought of that. Be uh, be smartly aggressive is the third one. So in football, you know, you, you got to do what it takes to get in the end zone. That means throwing the, the long pass downfield once in a while, maybe even going for it on fourth down. But you don't want to be reckless. I mean, it's, it's hard to win football games if you don't take some risk. And you kind of look at the parallel with the investment philosophy. That should reflect it a little bit as well. You know, a young person um, looking to accumulate wealth um, should largely be in stocks, so not conservative bonds or cash. And, of course, there's some risk involved in that, but also there's a lot of evidence to show that you'll come out ahead. So, so you know, playing it safe will only get you so far. And when you look at um, – you know, so be smartly aggressive, kind of like Deshaun did on that last play against Alabama, where he was he was aggressive. They ran a little trick play there, but then he then he threw. Yeah, I, yeah, he diverted. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Great analogy. Yeah. What's next, John? Um, be more conservative near the finish. They did not do that. Well, they threw the ball because they needed to be more aggressive. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're right. So a football team with a big lead, which they did not have, so this one does not apply. I don't um, know. It's they can they, they, in some of the games it certainly did, but you you know you, as you have a big lead, you can afford to be more cautious as the end of the game approaches, and you know you'll see teams drawing up more running plays to eat up the clock and decrease the chances of mistakes. So with the clock winding down, it's all about protecting the lead and and uh, you know not taking any unnecessary risks that might. Uh, you know, blow the game. And um, when you think about retirement, it's kind of like that. Retirement is fourth quarter. Um, You know, once you have a big nest egg saved, you know, shift your investments to more conservative um, pieces, not not everything in bonds and cash, but, you know, a portion of it. Uh, This way you'll be less likely to lose your wealth um, that you've created for yourself. So, you know, as you get into retirement, um, you know, we do see a lot of people come to us in their 50s and 60s because they have amassed a lot. Right. And they want to make sure that it's done the right way. Yeah, I mean, it's just like just like Clemson did against Ohio State. They got a lot more conservative toward the end there, and that's what got them to the national championship because they preserved that win right there at the end. Yeah, you're right. That, that's a good analogy. <laughs> Next one here is field goals are okay. Yeah, I mean, football games aren't always won with a flurry of touchdowns. 
Um, you know, often it's a field goal kicker that wins the game. You know, we, we would all like to our teams to get seven points out of every possession, but that's not realistic. I mean, sitting down, settling for a three-pointer is better than nothing, and it can still put you in a position to win the game just like Clemson did there in the middle. You know, I think they did. Do I don't know it. if you remember, but the Ohio State kicker missed two field goals to start the game. Yes, That kind of set the tone. I felt bad for the guy because I don't true. think they tried another one the rest of the game. That's true. That did kind of demoralize <laughs> him a little bit. And then 30 to nothing. Yeah. It, it, 31. Uh, 31 to nothing. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Uh, that did win the game decider, but that definitely did hurt him. No doubt. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with um, – you know, with with investing, right? I mean, you gotta you, you gotta make sure that you you take the wins that you have. Don't take too much risk. You diversify. You get a market rate of return with your investments. Um, yeah, I, I I talked to a um uh, a gentleman you know a couple of weeks ago, and they were wanting to do penny stocks, mm. and uh, that's kind of what this is talking about. You don't have to hit home runs to be successful, and no. you're you're not going to hit many in penny stocks, that's for sure. No, so. right. I, yeah, I sat down with somebody this morning that was in stocks and in gold and in yeah. a few stocks like Facebook, and it's the same thing. You, you want to diversify. You yeah, don't want to try to hit a home run every time. Another one here is limit your mistakes. I mean, it's impossible for a football team to play a perfect game. Except yeah. if you're Clemson. Except if you're Clemson. You know, you come back, and that was the perfect finish. wasn't the perfect game, but it was the perfect finish. But, you know, too many blunders, you know, it will cost you in the game. And this is true when you look at your finances. So, you know, did you buy a bad stock that cost you some money? You know, that may be okay if it's a small amount, but don't make that same mistake again. You look at debt and so forth. you got to have a plan and limit your mistakes because there are some mistakes out there which will, will kill the fourth quarter. Right. True. I mean, I mean you can, can really really hurt yourself. So <laughs> yeah, limit your mistakes. Number seven here is sometimes you will take a beating. I think this is a Carolina one here. <laughs> <laughs> Finances just like football. It can be brutal. I mean, there'll be days when your team gets trounced and your stock portfolio may get pounded in a similar fashion. It it happens, but the key is to get up and keep trying. I mean, resilience and patience are big drivers of success in football. And this can easily be applied to investing, saving, and debt reduction. And I'll say that you guys have a lot of experience in that when Carolina won five years in a row. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't give did. up, and now, now the streak's at three we, on the Clemson we side. We came so. back, didn't we? We yeah. didn't. We rebuilt it. So, yeah, that's uh, right. So the next one here on the list is you, you can't do it all in one day. You can't do it all in one day. It takes an entire season to win like Clemson did against Alabama. That's exactly right. And it takes years of building a great program. But, yeah, as much as the pundits like to refer to certain football games as a must-win, the reality is that the NFL plays a 16-game season. I mean, sure, there are some games that are more important than others, but it normally doesn't take much much uh, to but it doesn't take make much sense to dwell on the results of any single game during the season. I mean, just like, you know, we lost against Pitt and we came back and won the national championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes to show you. I mean, every yeah. game does not define the season. And likewise, it's silly to panic over one bad day in the stock market or one bad piece of personal financial advice. The only thing that matters is how you finish. So if you take the long run and are generally making positive progress – then you'll end up okay in the end, just like in football, <laughs> like that did. Just, just like the Tigers. <laughs> <clears throat> Boy, all of our Clemson clients, I hope you they're let gonna, them know that this they want to listen to this segment. They're going to love this segment. 
So uh, nothing is for certain is the last one here. And, you know, pro football is one of the few sports where player salaries aren't guaranteed. I mean, a player can be cut at, at any time. A perennial pro bowler can lose his starting job to a rookie. And this lack of certainty often rears its ugly head in, in money as well. I mean, you may think you have enough money to cover an emergency, but you don't because of the size of it. Um, you know, you'll assume that you'll get a 9% return, um, but you lose money instead because it's a bad year or a bad quarter. Um, it's it's important to plan well and live conservatively and look at the long-term horizon because short-term, I mean, things are very positive right now in the markets. Um you know, exactly. and it's been a while since it's been like that, and so you know, the euphoria is out there. But there, there will be times in the market that it goes back down. The key is, is, is playing well. Um, that's kind of the takeaway on this: is football and finances and life is just planning. Exactly. Yeah, you got to think long term, no doubt. <clears throat> just like Carolina's thinking very long term now. Okay, <laughs> we're we're ready for the next next season. We next got y'all. Season, at, we be, have y'all at. It might be five seasons before y'all <laughs> able to be. recover. It might be. I hear you. All right. Well, that leads us up here to uh, the last thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, I, I've been talking to more and more couples, and you know the the world of finance is confusing, and you know you don't build wealth in <clears throat> in a day or even a year. It takes time. It takes, you know, years and years and, and decades and so forth. But one exercise you can do that will give you a little bit of, uh, um, I don't know, a, a peace of mind maybe that you're making the right decisions is, is a net worth statement. So the prescription is to do a net worth statement. That's just listing your assets minus your liabilities, and that gives you your net worth. And you can see from year to year how your net worth is increasing. Absolutely. So if you're, if you're saving in your 401Ks and you're paying off debt, those are two positive aspects of net worth. And, and you can look back, you know, five years later and be like, wow, we've made a lot of good progress and kind of feel good about that you're on track and you're making the right financial decisions. So that's a, you know, it's, it's do it once a year. You know, you don't have to do it every month right. or anything, just once right. a year. So go back and recreate 2016 and then, you know, you can see the progress that you've made over the year when you do it next year. Yeah, that's exactly right. I do that every year and do it on Excel and update it, and it's it's interesting to see. But um, but also though, it, it it provides all that information in one place for your spouse. Mm-hmm. So if something happens to you, I mean, you know, they can look at it and uh, you know they have a place to start to know kind of where to put the pieces back together. So. Um, that's a great prescription of the week. All right, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.